Hello ladies and gentlemen this is Nishant and welcome to another episode of the Nishant Gurg show the mission of the show is to spread awareness on mindfulness practices psychology mental health psychotherapy and spirituality my job on the show is to invite world class performers to share the practices to live a fulfilled life this episode guest is Katie Grimes Katie helps women who are serious about being healthier and happier and overcome love addiction she specializes in reprogramming your habits to gain more confidence and live with ease those who are looking to invest their time and money to overcome feeling like you are not enough and start realizing you are worthy of everything you deserve there is no shame in attracting a life you love with someone you love and now let the episode begin okay welcome to the show thank you thanks for having me so i'm curious to know that if you are in a social gathering and somebody asks you what do you do for a living then how do you respond in that situation yeah so what i generally tell them is that i am a love addiction coach and that i essentially coach high achieving women who are looking to attract a relationship in their life where they feel safe they feel secure and they feel understood and loved love addiction coach this is interesting I'm definitely interested to know how would you define love addiction? Well, I use the example that is most similar to, or I should say most common for all of us, which is that of drug and alcohol addiction. So when we think about the word addiction, we often think about uh it kind of has a negative connotation, right? It has it makes you think of I think drug and alcohol addiction. And so when it when we look at drug and alcohol addiction, what i find is that addiction in itself is usually this belief that if you were to say pick up drugs or pick up alcohol that you're going to do it consistently so that you feel better when in actuality you probably feel bad you are most likely not feeling good but also you are probably impacting other people in your life whether it's because you're being selfish or dishonest or manipulative or say you're say you'll show up but then you don't actually show up. And so what I find is that with alcohol, with um love addiction it's very much that of consistently trying to seek validation or love outside of ourselves in the hopes that we will feel good that we will feel loved but in fact we don't feel good even when we are having sex with someone even when we are in a relationship with someone there's this feeling of just feeling unfulfilled in some way shape or form and so that's how i define love addiction and then there are actually quite a few symptoms that i can share with you Please. so i think one of the questions that comes up is do you ever find yourself trying to control how much sex you're having or how often you're seeing someone do you find yourself over analyzing your communication with someone in the hopes that it will go a different way than it had there's also this belief of what else i'm trying to think like when it comes to love addiction it's also this belief of maybe the attire you're wearing or the uh way that you look will reap the rewards or the success that you're looking for whether it's in a relationship say that again just to please another person just to please another person or to get ahead to get the results of a new job or more money or another relationship or getting your partner to pay attention to you 
if somebody is not aware of this addiction, you know, we are talking about the symptoms of love addiction. If someone is really not aware of that they are getting into this addiction, what is the starting process for somebody to know that they are getting addicted to this? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I, I think that most commonly people do not know that they have this addiction. I think most people just assume that this is our 20s and 30s <laughs> and that uh, we live in a very sexualized country and society and that we are constantly being encouraged by our friends to take that one's number, to go home with this one or, you know, to stick it out with that relationship. And I think what I have found is that if any of the questions I just simply asked resonate with you, chances are there's some truth to what you're feeling. But the second question, the second thing I ask people to do is to go on and I'll give it to you so you can put it in the show notes, but it's 40 questions for self-diagnosis. And it is from the website slaa.org and that stands for sex and love addicts anonymous there are 40 questions much of which asks you in a yes or no fashion as to whether or not you can identify with you know obsessively watching porn or or masturbating and things of that nature and so that is a first that's a really good first step i would like to take it by myself I took it and I, I literally checked yes to almost every question and I was shocked and I was ashamed and I was embarrassed. And so just know that if that comes up for you or any of the listeners, it is a very common feeling that occurs is that where there's a lot of shame, but that there is a way out, that there is hope to feel better and to start acting better, acting differently. Yeah. When did you take that test? I took it four years ago, June uh, of- June of 2015. June of 2015. Is that when you realized that you're addicted to love and then you got into coaching business? Yeah. So June of 2015, I just ended a, a relationship that was really beautiful, actually. I mean, on the outside, nothing was really wrong. I mean, it was just that I felt really unfulfilled and I knew that if I was to stay with this person that uh, we would both be resenting one another. And so... When I got out of that relationship, I realized that I was kind of ready to move on to the next. And then when that didn't work out, I was ready to move on to the next and found myself attracting people who were very similar to my ex, but that who were also uh, very different from him in the sense that they were either off limits because they were dating other people or they were interested in other people or they just were like, you know, they were just not the kind of people you'd want to bring home to your to your mom and dad. And it wasn't until I was in a relationship with someone who was actually married and he was, he had been a friend for a long time and we had slept together and I was driving home and I was by myself driving home and I was crying hysterically thinking, what am I doing? Like, this doesn't align with my morals. This doesn't align with my values. Like I've done this before, but why do I keep doing this? Like, it's like I can't help myself that I went and spoke to a girlfriend at an Al-Anon meeting. And, and for those of you who don't know what Al-Anon is, it's a 12-step recovery meeting for people who are affected by alcoholics or, or drug addicts. And I had been in that program for six years getting help because I realized that, uh, long story short, I realized that my mom and, and both a, a previous partner were, were alcoholics and, and love addicts. And, and I just realized I was trying to cope with their dysfunction. You know, I was trying to always be one step ahead of them and be helpful and always kind of on the, on walking on eggshells and couldn't figure out why. And, and then it wasn't until I was telling a girlfriend what had happened about being in, you know, this relationship with this married man 
and how much shame and guilt and just disgust that I felt. She said, I think you're a sex and love addict. And I was like, that's a thing. <laughs> She's mm -hmm. like, yeah. She's like, and she told me there's a Tuesday night meeting and in, in Boston, you should go check it out. And so I reluctantly went and I found myself checking out guys while I was there. And I realized that I was very much at home, that I needed to, if I was at a meeting trying to get help, but was checking people out, chances are I needed to um, make some changes. And so that I then began coaching women about a year, year and a half into recovery. And then from there started, started my own business in April of 2019. I think taking this exam can be a very first step to generate awareness and doing something about it. Getting a coach or going to recovery programs will definitely help. And uh, being addicted to love or sex may not be a problem. It's not, it's not a shame. It's not somebody who's listening. They don't have to feel shame about it. The thing is, we get to do something. Living in that thing can be a trauma in the future. So we get to do something about it to heal our life and to come out of that. Well, yeah, I think a big, a big component that we, that we just sort of surface level went over was that I didn't do it alone. You know, I, I think I was done feeling, I was done feeling bad. I was, I was tired of being sick and tired. Like they say in 12 step recovery, like I just wanted my life to change. I knew that it could be better, but I wasn't really around people who were showing me how life could be better except for in my Al-Anon rooms, you know, and, and throughout the course of this podcast, I'll be talking about it as a, referring to it as a program or a meeting. It's the same thing, but it, but it felt like I'd go to these rooms, I'd feel such serenity and then I would leave and then it would be chaotic and dysfunctional and I'd be talking shit about somebody or, you know, I just wasn't getting it. And it wasn't until uh, that missing link of realizing that love addiction was at the core of why I felt so bad that I realized, oh my gosh, it's sort of like going to the doctors and saying that you've been experiencing this pain for so long and that doctor can tell you exactly why you're symptomatic. And so for me, it took going to 12-step recovery meetings, surrounding myself with like-minded men and women, particularly women though, because I'm attracted to men, but it, so I kept the focus on the women. And, edu and spending time with coaches and sponsors, people who had more experience, strength, and hope than I did, so that I could start to see, oh my gosh, there really is transformation on the other side. There really is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I can be in a beautiful and loving relationship and feel healthy and feel happy and lose weight or whatever, be the right weight I want or have the right amount of money I want. Like I can have all those things. And it wasn't until kind of that aha moment that I realized something's got to give. And, and then I started, I, I call it doing the work on myself, but I certainly did not do it alone. And like you said, there were a lot of tools and resources that I used both that were for free and those that cost money. And that's really one thing I try to do with all my coaching clients is to give them all those tools and resources so they, they can shorten the time it took me to learn this stuff. Yeah. Do you think love addiction can be an attachment or is it an attachment 
or is it similar to attachment or they are same so it's it's funny you say that i think that's a great question i've never been asked that and i actually just bought a book at the recommendation of one of my clients called attachment so i'll be interested to see how this plays out but here's what i know it to be true so far is to answer your question yes it is very much an attachment to this idea of what i think life would be like with this person and that it doesn't matter how much pain and how much discontent i feel in the moment i will do anything we will do anything to feel a little bit of goodness. So if it means, I'll give you an example. I have a client yes. who keeps going back to the same person again and again and again, and they're not in a committed relationship. You know, this is someone who is deeply, deeply affected by alcoholism, drug addiction, sex addiction, love addiction. Like this person just runs the gamut in all the things he has. And this, this particular client has said like, I don't know why I just keep going back, you know? And she described it to me when I asked her why she said, it's just this attachment of like hoping it will get better every time I go back and wanting him to change and wanting him to choose me and wanting him to love me. And then realizing every single time that it hurts so much worse because he will never choose me. He will never love me the way I want him to. And I need to start choosing myself. And so she's trying to break that cycle, but it, it's been, and as, as have I. And so I think that's been the most beautiful part of this journey is I came into this experience hoping that I would fall in love with someone or that someone would fall in love with me and choose me. And through doing the work on myself with all the tools and resources and those, and with, you know, like-minded people who had more experience, strength and hope than I did, I was actually able to love myself, which is not, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but I like, had no idea that's what I was in for. I really, yeah. I really thought it was an attachment to other people, but what it became was an attachment to myself and, and loving myself. So uh, do you think this attachment is coming from lack of self-love? Oh, I do. I think it's also coming from, so I think it's coming from a lack of self-love, but if you go one level deeper, I think it's coming from a fear that we're not good enough. And if you go one level deeper than that, it's because we grew up with parents or loved ones who may, who through their actions, thoughts, and behaviors made us feel like we weren't good enough. And they didn't mean to necessarily, but they did. Yes. If somebody is attached to love, what can we do about it? How can we overcome this attachment? Well, I think it goes back to what you said earlier, which is that there's good and bad attachment. And, and I don't know, good, good and bad, I don't think is the right choice of words necessarily. It's, I think all feelings are feelings that I, I think as a society, we tend to stay away from like the anxiety, the, the, the negative, what we call the negative emotions, like, you know, anxiety, overwhelm, irritability, and that we focus in on the good feelings of joy, love, etc. Hmm. And you know, I think when it comes to attachment, there is quote unquote good and bad. I think that there have been relationships in my life that absolutely fuel me. You know, they, I have particularly a handful of women that are surrounded and my, and I would include my father and my uncles in the mix of that as well. But there are some women and men in my life who are just, who just always encourage me to be the best version of myself, my partner included and who don't condemn me for my little quirks, but instead they really love me for my quirks. And it helps me to embrace all parts of me, even the parts that I like, I'm a planner, for example. And, and so I am trying to appreciate that part of me. But then there's people who feel 
who make me feel bad about myself. That could be people who make fun of me behind my back or to my face. It could be people who are constantly gaslighting me, telling me one, what I'm seeing isn't actually how I'm feeling. And over time, those people have had to slowly step away from my life because I'd rather surround myself with the people that provide quote unquote good attachment. Uh, would you like to suggest some practices to love ourselves so that we can all love ourselves? Yeah, there's a couple that I've been doing lately that I think could be really helpful. The first is I have been meditating or finding stillness for a period of time. And I, I don't want to tell you what period of time that is because I feel like it's different for everyone, you know? Yes. But I think just being able to get quiet without TV, without my without my phone going off. And for me, meditation is guided. So it helps me to stay present in the feelings of self-love. So if you're looking for a suggestion, a self-love guided meditation could be really beautiful. And I'm working on putting some of those onto the website. But for right now, I'd say you could go on Insight Meditation or, or any meditation app and find self-love. The second thing is journaling. So I find that when I'm trying to make the best decision to follow my heart, and to do anything when it comes to love, I journal. And I sometimes will just free write. What's on my mind? How did my day go? And I don't have to keep it positive. I can, I can be negative too. I can talk about who pissed me off or you know, what agitation I might have, been, might have been feeling. But I can also really focus in on receiving. Like what are the gifts that I've received throughout the day that maybe I wasn't even aware of? That's a big practice that I've been doing lately. And it's like a free flow journaling. Yeah, it's just a free flow. What are the things I'm receiving? So today I'm receiving this beautiful podcast. I'm, you know, I've received a lot of great food. I, you know, have warm clothes on my body, like that type of thing. And then the third is that I've surrounded myself with people, not only friends, but also those I've paid, so coaches, to really help support and guide me in my journey for to rebuild my self-confidence. Because let's face it, we are human. And so some days spot on. We're feeling great. We're conquering the world. Nothing can get us down. And then, you know, somebody unfollows us or something on Instagram or cuts us off in traffic or our partner doesn't speak to us the way they want us to, or we get ghosted by someone and we let that cut us down to size. And I, I think what I've been trying to do is how can I in that moment stop and pause before taking action and realize what are the feelings that I'm having about it? Do I need to turn to meditation or to journaling? And then if not, then I pick up the phone and I call one of my coaches and I have a conversation about it so that I can really get back to the root of addressing the thoughts and feelings I'm having. And the second part is what's the story I'm telling myself? Because if I'm telling myself a negative story, then that's only going to breed more negative results. Yes. And I remember this thing from Dalai Lama. He mentions that all the attachments create suffering in the world. And if I am attached to somebody else, and that attachment can be positive or negative. And if that attachment is leading towards negativity, that means there is something wrong inside of me. I'm, I'm not feeling fulfilled. I'm not, I'm not feeling worthy of myself. That is why I'm finding happiness in another person. And that is causing attachment. So if we are not happy with ourselves, then we seek to have attachments with another person. If we, are, if we don't need anybody to make us happy, then... I think we we may not have attachments with another person. And, and I strongly believe that human beings have this unconscious attachment all the time. Consciously, if you are conscious about it, we can definitely do many things. But if we are unconscious about it, 
and that's where we can incorporate all these practices of gratitude writing and uh, meditation any sort of mindfulness of spiritual practice yeah so while working with your clients do you suggest any spiritual practice to overcome love addiction yeah i mean i think the foundation overcoming love addiction and by the way it is not a disease that can be cured similar to alcoholism or drug addiction but it is something that can be arrested is that a spiritual practice is is the key to to success and so what i mean by that is similar to the steps i just described which is meditation and journaling and being able to find comfort in that little voice inside of our head that when we're first faced with understanding that we have this disease it can be quite confusing as to what is our voice and what's god's voice and so i'll just quickly define that from my own experience which yes. is yeah which is when we're talking about self-will or self-reliance which which i think is what you were kind of describing when with the dalai lama's statement which is you know we can kind of do it on our own and we can it's 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 almost very and i'm not calling the dalai lama selfish but in my perspective as i was listening to that i was thinking yeah as much as i can let go of the attachment that i have expectations of other people i still my program and the work i've done on myself is how do i get right with god first and listen to that voice and strengthen that intuition so that i i rely less on people but i also have safe and trusted people around me and so my my self reliance my self will when it's going crazy which most of us are feeling that way i think now with the state of state of the coronavirus is my self reliance and will looks like this it's chaotic it's fast talking it hurts my chest i'm in scarcity mode so instead of grabbing one toilet paper i'm grabbing six you know it's like there's never i'm always saying to myself there's never enough i feel anxiety you're probably feeling it now even just as i say it to you like or the listeners are listening thinking oh, right our, our chest is like tight that's self reliance that's self will if you've ever been in a circumstance where you're trying to make a decision and you want to know right now that's your self will and self reliance so if any of those if checking in with your feelings and asking yourself are any of those feelings true for you chances are the fast talking and the anxiety are a big one for me to recognize god's will universe's will is quiet it's calm if somebody is not religious or spiritual how would you guide them yeah so just as i started to describe right it's calm it's quiet it is peaceful it's serene it makes us feel like when the first decision that comes into our head stays there and we can we don't have to flip flop between conscious reasoning but instead we can just say oh that first decision that feels good i feel it in my head i feel it in my heart i feel it in my gut like i'm going to go with that when it's that sort of quiet calmness i call it like a i call it killer confidence or like a calm quiet confidence there's just something about it that just feels calm that regardless of your spirituality i find that those feelings can identify when we are when we are really re trusting and relying on something greater than ourselves yes can love addiction lead to toxic relationship oh yeah i find that based on my research and based on my own experience i would say 99.9% of all love addiction leads to toxic relationships and still a lot of people are staying in the toxic relationship can you please elaborate more on that yeah. why people are still stuck in that toxic relationship 
they know that it is not serving their life it is not serving their emotions still it, they are stuck in that yeah so when i say i'm gonna i'm gonna refer to it as a general consensus so i'm gonna say people do this but it's because i'm basing it off my own experience and i'm basing it off of my clients and i'm basing it off just research i've done which is that people generally they will mimic what they have grown up in so if you've grown up in an environment where your parents are yelling at each other all the time or your mom is gossiping to you about what your father did or your mom, you know, your dad is out drinking at the bar and, you know, shacking up with the neighbor, like you're going to start to see that behavior or you'll start to exhibit it yourself. And so you'll start to think that that is normal because that's how you've grown up. And so as we get older, right, we start to exhibit those same personality traits, those same characteristics, those same coping mechanisms. I often say that the disease hits in one of two ways, either you're the type of person that isolates and gets quiet and just doesn't want anything to do with the world. Or you're loud, you're high achieving, you're go, 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 you're getting shit done. You would never know on the outside that anything's wrong, right? You're, you're generally one of those two personalities. And that's because you've learned that behavior from the people who you grew up with or who were around you. And then as a result of that, you, try, you continue to try to chase that, that level of comfort. So whether you're in a job where your boss is yelling at you or you find that you're with a partner who steps out on you a lot and cheats on you, like that can, that can feel terrible, but you may rationalize it. You may say to yourself, oh, but you know, it's, it's cause I told him I wanted a break or, you know, or no, I mean, we didn't really fight. It was my fault. I mean, I should have had dinner ready at seven, right? Like we start to say these things to ourselves. It's because we, it's all we've ever known. And what our spiritual practice in love addiction and sex, love and fantasy addiction teaches us is and now as an, as an adult, we get to choose what feels good to us and what doesn't any longer. And we get to choose again. So instead of acting in the same ways we always used to or saw our parents do, we now get to choose it differently and do what we love. Yeah. What, what advice would you, would you give to somebody who is in a toxic relationship? I would say... I would say the first thing I would do is to get quiet, grab a journal and ask yourself, am I willing to do anything for love? And what do I mean by that? What I mean is not necessarily to stay in the relationship or go. What I mean is free write about what comes up for you about the help that you are trying to seek. What kind of life do you actually want for yourself? When you can start to identify what are the feelings, what are the characteristics, what would you be thinking, what would you be doing, you then can start to see that your mind starts to go, oh, this could be another option. And then, this, and then kind of part two of that is sharing that with someone who is safe and trusted. And I want to very, very quickly identify what safe and trusted means. Yes. It is someone who is not going to say, who's not going to repeat what you say to them back to anybody else. Because if many of us are, are, are in a dysfunctional and chaotic environment, chances are there are people around us who are also dysfunctional and chaotic. They're not going to show up when they say they will. They'll repeat what you say to them. So if you don't have anybody in your life who you really feel like, I'm going to go read them this letter, and they're, going, and they're not going to tell anybody, or are educated enough to tell you, hey, I think you should hire, you know, Katie in this case, or hire a coach that can really help you transform your life into what you want it to be. That would be like step one and step two is like 
first, get quiet, figure out what it is you need and want. And step two, pick up the phone and call a coach, pick up the phone and call a safe and trusted person and talk through exactly what you want for your life and then what it, where you are right now. And then the kind of the third part of that is what I asked earlier, which is, are you willing to do anything for love? Like, are you actually willing to get the help? Because I have unfortunately seen a lot of women come through my virtual doors saying that they're willing to do anything. And then the next day, like I don't hear from them or the next time we have a call and, and I've learned to bless those women and to know that they will hear the message when they're called to. But the women that I work with on an individual basis are those that are like, I've had enough. Like I'm willing to try anything so that I can get closer to the kind of life that I really want to love. And that is what I'm hopeful for is as these women and men listen to these podcasts is to really understand that when we change, it's very uncomfortable. It's kind of like you've been eating McDonald's or sugar your whole life and now you've decided that you're going to switch to veggies. It's going to taste crappy, right? It's going to taste awful and your body's probably going to reject it and it's going to feel like, oh, this tastes gross. I'm not feeling good. But that's how emotional fitness is. That's how spiritual fitness is, is that... When you start to flex new muscles, you become a little sore. Probably day one, you're sore, but day two, you're really sore from your quote unquote workout. And now you're, you're thinking to yourself like, oh, I'm just gonna go back and do it alone on myself. No, if you're willing to do anything for love, you're willing to do it alongside someone and get the help that you need that's not your partner, that aren't your best friends in your family, that are really someone who's trained in this. Yes. While growing up, I always heard that love is blind. Mm. And now I am not sure if love is blind. I think attachment is blind. So what do you have to say on that? What's your thought process? Quote unquote, love is blind. I, I said, mm, as you were saying that, because I remember saying that to myself and I use it if the, the healthier side of me says I used it as a as a means of denial because I didn't want to actually deny that I didn't feel in control of making the decisions that I was making. I agree with you that it is attachment is blind. I think that the feelings of love, obviously we all know the research behind the chemicals that re- literally race through our bodies when we are in love that causes us to make decisions that don't allow us to look at what's actually in front of us. But when you, when you talked about attachment, that really resonated with me because I think attachment for me is the, is the fantasy of what I think life would be like with that person. So if I'm with someone who at first they, they're so handsome and they're charming and they're, they're adventurous and they like to travel like I do and they make good money and drive the nice car, right? All these things that seem attractive. And then as I get to know them, I notice that they are a bit controlling or they spoke down to the waitress or they don't, they don't answer their mom's phone call when she calls. Right. And I start to pick up on this stuff. I start to, the old me would have rationalized and like been in denial about this. But then I have quickly turned around and said, with practice have been able to see those red flags 
and realize as much as I want to be in a relationship, here's the attachment part, right? As much as I want to be in a relationship with this person, is what this person doing and saying going to be turned around on me? Because if it is, it's not going to work for me. And how I've done that has been able to write down those red flags. I teach this in one of my courses, Love Your Life, which is all about when you write down your red flags and you start to talk to them to a safe and trusted person, you then ask questions the next time you're on a date, like, okay, I'm going to pick one red flag, which is he never calls his mother back, right? Or when he does, he's like rude to her, <laughs> right? Is I then I call my mom twice a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it, you get to see what kind of person they are. And so I've then been able to take that question and say, the next time I'm, on, I'm faced with that situation, I'm going to approach it with them. And I had a circumstance like that. And so I said, hey, I just noticed something that I wanted to bring to your attention. And yeah, you did well with me. And then I share, like, I saw the way you talked to your mom. And I wondered, like, would you talk to me that way? <laughs> like, walk me through why you talk to her like that. Yeah. Have you heard of Gary Chapman, the author of Five Love Languages? Have I? I give all my clients that book. I love that <laughs> oh, That's part. wonderful. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about two kinds of love. One is emotional love. When, when our emotions are high, when we are in a new relationship or new in dating game, our emotions are so high, we want to see that person all the freaking time. But after six months or after a year or two, when our emotions go down, then it really takes time and effort and then we see all the flaws in another person after a year or two mm-hmm. do you do you think initially in the dating game or initially in any relationship we should try to calm down ourselves and not take major decisions based on emotions a hundred percent and i'll give you an example i had i had a woman call me who said oh my god i'm in this loving relationship katie i'm so excited you know i've worked so hard to get to this place i took time off of dating i like really you know i I worked on my addictions i worked on my thoughts my behaviors i'm in this loving relationship and i'm so excited like nothing's wrong with him so i call her i go i'm so happy for you can I just tell you that um, I think you're full of shit? And she starts laughing. She's like, what? What am I full of shit about? I go, come on. There's nothing wrong with him. And she's like, girl, I'm like two months in, <laughs> going so good. I go, okay, here's what I want you to do just for the next week. I want you to be aware of any red flags that pop up. It doesn't mean anything bad about him. But just like write down anything that you're just like, oh, interesting. So she calls me back in a week and she's like, oh, I'm starting to see his flaws. And I was like, it's okay. I just wanted to make you aware that like he's human. It's not that he's perfect. He's not on a pedestal and neither are you, but that we all have our flaws. And now your job is to figure out by having conversations with him as to what are the flaws you can accept and what are the ones you need more information on because you're not really sure. And then what are the ones that are just no-goes, no-fly zone. And when we are new in a relationship, we have this image of another person that we have created in our head. And we are seeing that person through that image. So true love, I think, is seeing somebody without any image or without any wall, seeing that person through their eyes. That is real love. And so talking about flaws, should we communicate with that person that I'm seeing this red flag? How, what can you do about it? Because you have flaws. Okay, so here's what I always recommend. First things first, don't shoot from the hip. So 
when you are aware of a red flag that pops up and they do often go and write it down somewhere that is safe. Okay. And write it down and then just start collecting information. Each time you're on a date, each time you're on a phone call, each time you're texting, go back to the journal and just start to write it out. You'd be surprised. A lot comes up. Then read it with your coach, read it with your sponsor, read it with a safe and trusted friend, somebody who's not going to give you feedback, but is instead going to be like, Hey girl, I'd flag that. Right? Like that's I, to me, that's, that's not feedback. That's just like, yeah, you're right. I think I would flag that. Right. And then step two is asking questions to the person. So don't go in with your list of 10 and be like, okay, so here's my list. I just want to rattle through it. Pick one. And the next time you guys are together, you're on the phone, be like, hey, you know, I noticed that when you're on the phone with your mom, you were like super short with her the other day. Are you like that with her all the time? And if he's like, no, why was I short with her? And be like, yeah, maybe it's just something to be mindful of. But I found that like when you were on the phone with her, you sounded irritable. Like you didn't even want to talk to her. And all she was calling to ask you is how you're doing. And it concerned me. Do you want to know why? And then that person will probably be like, yeah, of course. And be like, cause I was kind of afraid that maybe someday you'd talk to me like that. And that doesn't feel good. And asking open-ended questions. If you're just asking, why did you do that? And, you know, asking open-ended questions so that we are giving somebody a chance because we are all human beings. We all make mistakes and having healthy communication skills so that we can talk about it. Totally. I like your perspective of that. No, no, yes or no's. I mean, I asked a couple of questions on that, but I agree. Like, and I think my, yeah, I have this framework. Sorry to interrupt. I have this framework that I carry all the time with me that I would, I would start experiencing or I would start communicating in this way that I'm experiencing this thing right now. There is nothing wrong with you. This is the only thing I'm experiencing right now. So what can we do about it? Is it right? Is what I'm experiencing is correct? Or is it just I'm perceiving different thing? How can we talk about it? How can we navigate through about that? Yeah, sometimes I like to say, so I'm trying to figure out if this is my shit or this is yours. So I'm just wondering if maybe we could talk it through. And me and my boyfriend joke now, he goes, it's yours. Like before I get a chance to ask. And, uh, you know, it's just a joke because he knows I ask like every now and then because I think it's important to acknowledge what's my part in it because sometimes it is just my own thoughts and feelings. It actually has nothing to do with him. If somebody is going through love addiction and this is not bad for sure and there is a transformative side beyond this, how can somebody transform their life through love addiction and reach up to next levels in their life? Yeah, I think for me when... I changed my relationship with love and my expectations of being in a relationship with someone and having them complete me, have them choose me. What it was a very painful process, right? I mean, I, I had to, in a way, go through, feel all the feelings that come up around that because I was had like Disney princess syndrome. I always thought it was supposed to be this way. I'll tell you like the transformation on the other side of it was far beyond anything I ever experienced and it made all the pain and all the discontent so well worth it. And what I mean by that is I went into recovery thinking that it would help me change my relationship with the person that I was in a relationship with 10 years ago. Then I kept thinking that I wanted to be in a relationship and again and again and again. And then what I ended up finding through doing the work on myself with coaches, with sponsors in 12 step is that I ended up Real, having a relationship with myself 
and really truly learning to love myself and all parts of me to the point where I don't check my phone when my, my boyfriend, I don't overanalyze my text communication between me and my boyfriend. I don't wonder what an outfit I'm gonna put together for him next time I see him. I'm not using sex to my advantage so that it makes him me feel like he's more attracted to me or looking outside of my relationship with other men that I'm that I might be attracted to. Because let's face it, like we're attracted to other people, but I don't act on those things anymore. Because I feel secure enough with who I am and it just so happens it's an added bonus that I am in a relationship with someone else. So I think that's the, the biggest transformation right there. And I should share with you too that Rebecca just joined us. And we have a caller, Rebecca. Rebecca, thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So what questions would you like to ask, Katie? <laughs> Hi, Katie. Thank you Hi. so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for calling in. I would love to ask. I have been both a love addict and a love avoidant, mm. and, which was really spicy and fun. And I've recovered from a lot of codependent patterns. And so then that kind of put me in in the love avoidant camp, right? So there's that fear of connecting or creating some sort of a strong connection that's going to pull me back into those unhealthy patterns. So kind of what I'm doing now that I would just love any advice or feedback you have on is what I'm doing is I'm kind of like staying out of the game. And then when I bump into a connection that's really strong and really sweet and so powerful, then I go into like love addict, like I've got to have it. I'm like living off of it, living off the thrill of it. But it creates so much anxiety for me while I'm closely connected to that person. And I, and I struggle there because that anxiety is not what I typically have. And so then I end up pushing that person away again. And mm. this is a little uh, dance that I've been doing. So yeah, girl, it sounds like you are, you're done with the cha-cha-cha. Like, yeah, it's, you're in good company, by the way. I've had experience with both the addiction part, which sounds, which just to reiterate to the audience is more that compulsive need to want to spend time with someone and be with someone and text them and and you know, reach out to them, vice versa. And then I loved what you described of the love avoidant, which is I'm just gonna stay out of the game for a while. When I focus on my career, I'm gonna get my workouts in, I'm gonna get my food prep right. You know, like we start focusing on other aspects or taking a vacation. But then when we meet somebody organically, like you said, the love addiction starts to fuel up. And I, what I'm hearing is that there's there's no balance in between, right? You're either in love avoidance or you're in love addiction. And I think what I found to be the common denominator is building a trusted and safe, supported network around you. And what I always advise, like, so this is what I advise my my clients. One, get a coach that you feel like you like they have the experience, strength, and hope that you want, that you really resonate with, and you feel like they're going to keep your information safe and trusted. That's like step one. Step two, I then always encourage people to build a safe and trusted support system outside of that. So whether that's within the Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous community, whether that's other 12-step programs, whether that is within your own girlfriends or family members, but I really work together with my clients to make sure that the characteristics that they deem to be safe and trusted are well represented amongst all of that kind of crew, if that makes sense. And the reason I bring that up, Rebecca, is I find that when we can use that opportunity within our safe and trusted network to just pause, right? We don't want to talk to friends about it because they're just kind of going to tell us what we want to hear because they love us. But when we, can, when we can just build the pause to say, hey, 
Katie, I'm getting ready to go on a date. I met this guy. These are the characteristics I'm noticing about him that are really attractive. I'm finding that I'm feeling like Rebecca, describe the feelings that you had when, when you like first meet someone and you're like super excited about them. It's just like this really intense attraction that really is almost energetic. It's internal as well as, you know, obviously physical attraction and you just want to be with them, how you feel with them, hearing what they're saying, just being in their words, um, yeah. just being in their presence. It's really almost like a flooding. And it's exciting because I know for me, and it sounds like for you, like if I were to ask you the question, what does your life with a partner look like? It would probably include those feelings, right? <laughs> Ideally. Yeah. So I'm, it's like, I'm getting what I want, but I can't manage it. And so then that creates a sense of helplessness, which makes me not want to engage, which also isn't healthy. <laughs> right. Well, and I think too, what I'm noticing from what you're sharing, because I, I identify this with my own experience is that when we have a lot of big, I like to call them big feelings. When we have a lot of big feelings at the same time come flooding in when we don't have an outlet to process them, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, whether it's the safe and trusted resources of our, our network, our coach, to be able to talk about it and have somebody be able to say, oh, so you, you're feeling, Rebecca, like you want to reach out to him right now and schedule another date. And you're like, yep, that's what I want to do. I'm like, I can't believe he doesn't talk, talk, call me in two days, right? <laughs> My job as your coach is to say, let's just pause for a moment. And I want to ask you, why do you, why, what's the story you're telling yourself that he's not reaching out? And then you may tell me the story, right? Of uh, he's dating other girls or, you know, he's, he's less interested in me or the way that I laughed the other day was too loud or, you know, whatever, right? We could come up with a whole slew <laughs> of things. And then being able to acknowledge where those big feelings are feeling and taking a pause. And that pause may mean, hey, I'd love for you to craft me the text message that you want to send to him. And I'll give you my feedback on it. And then afterwards, if you're still feeling like, I really feel like I need to text him. Okay, let's do it. But let's do it together. Like you set, you send him a text and then you'll text me back and be like, I sent it. Okay, it's done. I'm having my feelings about it. And oh, he texted back and said he wants to go out on Thursday. And then you may say to me, hey, Katie, I actually have plans on Thursday anyway. I can't hang out with him. And then you may have more big feelings that come up about that which makes you want to self-sabotage, which could be like, oh, I want to cancel plans with my girlfriend or my hair appointment or whatever the case may be to try to accommodate those really big feelings of excitement. And so what I find is when all of that energy is racing, 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 we're actually not practicing our spiritual practice, which is that of calmness and serenity and, and still having excitement and joy, right? And so I would say that my number one advice to you would be to either hire a coach or find safe and trusted people that are willing to just hold space for you to ask you questions before you take action. How does sure. that and with you? Just to clarify, so I heard you earlier talking about building a support network and you did give a variety of really great resources. So just to clarify that you're recommending that I would, i.e. or a person in the situation would get a coach and or attend one of those meetings and, and sort of build and create this community prior to kind of getting set up before the storm hits type of a oh. scenario. Is kind of that what you're saying? 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to happen before the storm hits. It can be during the storm hits or after the storm hits, but the character, so you're right. One, grab a coach. Two, get to the SLAA meetings, which by the way, depending on where you live, are virtual. And especially where we are right now in the world, it, everything's virtual. But um, yeah, being able to talk to like-minded women, if you're attracted to men, could be really helpful to just talk about the feelings that are coming up for you before, during, or after. So, and by that, I mean before the date, during the date, after, whatever comes up. I like what you said, like before the storm hits, like we don't want you to self-sabotage. Date, date is not a storm. Yeah. <laughs> date is not a storm. I, right. We don't, we don't want the storm to hit. So we might, so being able to to weather the storm with you so that you get the right rain gear, but then maybe the storm hits and you still need support. And then afterwards, how do we, how do we help you? How do we help you feel out? Sure. God. And I love, and I love rain and I love storms too. Um, Kate, I so appreciate that, especially your analogy of big feelings. That helps me. Uh, I've not heard that. That really helps me understand in context uh, the reason also in a self-compassionate way, why it's difficult to yeah. manage that because like you're saying that's so much energy and it's so much so many feelings and that big feeling it's it's a lot to process and and that gives me light is that I should be a little bit kinder to myself when I'm trying to navigate that well yeah I, I think that's a beautiful way to say it and the one thing that I I want to be mindful of too is oftentimes as high achieving women who at times can be overachievers right like we we tend to want to overanalyze and process and, and make sure that we're doing everything we need to. And we can often fall back into self-reliance. We can often fall back into, you know, I'm just going to, I'll just keep talking to my girlfriends about it. Or, or, you know what, I should be able to do this. <laughs> and if you ever that many times, yeah. And if you find that you're anything like me, which it sounds like we're very similar in that way, is that's all the more reason why we were not put on this earth to do it alone. We were put on this earth to love and to be loved. And the best way to do that is to simply admit and to ask for help and be willing to do anything when it comes to love to say, you know what, you know, it sounds like you do want to be in a loving and committed relationship. You do want to feel all those feelings of excitement and joy, but that there are the other feelings like, why didn't he call back? Or when am I going to see him again? Or you know, what's, what's our, are we going to get married? You know, like all those kind of big feelings that come up right away and then being able to process those feelings with someone or multiple people. I always encourage like have a coach and then have a couple other people because similar to what you described earlier, we want to be mindful of codependence, right? If we're working together, Rebecca, I never want you to feel that I'm the only person that can help you. That's why in my, in my practice, I give you all the tools and resources I possibly can. Sometimes I even have called other women and said, hey, I know you're in program. We've got a newcomer coming in for SLAA. Would you be willing to take phone calls? You know, like, and that way, it just is really helpful to kind of build that practice. And then you'll start to go to meetings or, you know, I'm saying you, but just people in general. And they'll start sure. to hear other stories of people they really relate to and go, oh my God, I thought it was crazy. I thought I was the only one going through this. <laughs> I'm not. So <laughs> I appreciate your uh, experience and the wisdom you're sharing. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, Nishant. Thank you, Thank you for the question. My last question to you is before we end this podcast. What is the impact you want to have on this world? 
Oh, I love that question. I, my impact that I want to have on this world is for women to feel less alone that so they know that they don't have to suffer when it comes to wondering if love should be this hard, but in fact can really be excited and optimistic and carry this message to other women to say, it's okay to love yourself. It is okay to feel all the big feelings that we have. And that just because we grew up a particular way or that we might be acting in certain ways now that really don't feel good to us, we can change, but we cannot change alone. And that if we, even though our experiences may be different, our thoughts and feelings are the same and that we are very much bonded by that. And so I, I have this phrase in my podcast, anything for love that I say, you know, when we follow our hearts, the rest will follow because it really I really, that's the impact I want to make on this world is I want people to follow their hearts, but to do it alongside people who really just get them and love them for who they are so that we can be the best versions of ourselves. I love it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, Katie, thank you so much for your time. Okay. Yeah. And thank you for, for having Rebecca on too. That was a beautiful question and, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. I hope you learned from this episode that you can apply in your life. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to the podcast, The Nishan Garg Show on Apple Podcast. You can also subscribe to the show through my website, https colon slash slash nishangarg.me N-I-S-H-A-N-T-G-A-R-G dot me. You can also share this podcast with your family and friends or whoever want to feel fulfilled and thank you so much again